Thank you for that great welcome. Um, tonight, guys and girls, is going to be about honesty. Um, and so if you can't hear me, you actually have to tell me. Don't, like, sit there and act like you're hearing me. I actually am giving you permission to be like, yo, I can't hear you. All right? So can I get some volunteers for that? Hands? Anybody? 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 All right, two girls back there. I am going to use two volunteers, so you just volunteered yourself for later on. So well done. Um, yeah, so uh, some of you have heard me speak before on reconciliation and what the difference of confession versus reconciliation is and how confession is often our part, but it, we can get lost and just see that our part of being restored to God, we lose it. We think it's all about us and making a confession, but it's so much more than that. And so last time I talked and some of you heard, I told you about that. But I want to invite you into that story. I think in our world today, when you look around, you see a lot of people who say they're about stuff, and they're not. Are you going to talk like you're about it, or are you going to be about it, right? Are you going to say that you care about people, and that you're going to do all these things, and post these things on your Instagram, and act like you're about it, or are you going to be about it? Are you actually going to make a difference in the world? Or is it just good enough for you to have the likes, and to say that you're about it? Well, when it comes to our souls, I hope we have the courage to be about it. And I want to just show you <laughs> what that looks like for me, because as that introduction said, um, I'm very much still learning to see myself rightly. Um, and so tonight, really, like, I kind of scrapped the old talk today while meeting with a mentor and said, like, really what I think we all need sometimes is an exhortation to ourself. Um, we need to hear the truth we need to put ourselves in front of Jesus Christ and hear him utter the words of life. And so I want to do that and use myself as a model, and I hope that you'll have the courage to put yourself into my shoes as I kind of read to you and speak to you from the heart and work out that cycle of sin and coming back home and how that actually plays out. So without further ado, I want to start off with a scripture verse. Very short one. Where are you? Where are you? Think about the context of that. Adam and Eve, born into paradise, not having fallen. Where are you? Depending on how you say that, it has a lot of different feelings to it. Where are you? You know, maybe you could be like Batman from the Dark Knight. Where is she? Right? Like, if you hear it with that sort of tone, it can be scary. It can be scary to hear someone yelling that at you. But what if you heard it differently? Where are you? Where are you? And often where we are is we're standing in the bushes, naked, with a fig leaf on, terrified that we'll be seen, trying to cover up, trying to act like we're fine, that things are going to be okay. And that's how it is, honestly, with all of us. I mean, think about it. When you sin, what does that look like? Like, think about and be honest with yourself. Remember, I said it's honesty night. Think about how you talk to yourself when you sin. I mean, I can <laughs> welcome you into my head. Um, often, it sounds like for me, with sometimes some four-letter words that are choice that I will not repeat here, but, oh, you did it again. You idiot, come on. 
you're always going to be like this, aren't you? Am I always going to be like this, God? Am I going to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Who is actually going to want to marry me? Who would love me? Look at the way I've screwed up my life in all these years. We hide. We sit there belittling ourselves, berating ourselves, judging us. And then if we're really honest with ourselves, some of us, we go to prayer, or we try to. We go to the chapel, and we sit there with our hands covering our face because we dare not. We think we dare not let God see us. We dare not be honest about where we are. And so we make these long, lengthy prayers. God, I know I've screwed up in all these ways, but, but tomorrow, tomorrow, I swear I'm not going to eat that many Oreos again. I swear I'm not going to do that stupid thing that I always hate when I do. I swear, this time's going to be different. This time's going to be different. And we build up this courage, and we come home. We go to confession, and then maybe we last, I mean, if some of us know this cycle of sin all too well, where you go to confession, and you don't even make it through the day, and you're like, oh, frick, I gotta go back again, and the cycle just starts, starts over, starts over, and you're judging yourself, you're sitting there in your room again, you freaking idiot, you freaking idiot, when are you gonna change? Who could love you, you idiot? And you speak to yourself so harshly. Being in the house at JP2, I hear it. It's so easy to think that because you're being hard on yourself and your sin, that you're being hard on sin. You think that, I think that, I can get past it if I just try harder, if I just put enough restrictions on my phone, if I just do the next right thing, then it'll be gone. Then I'll be okay. But listen to how lonely that story is. I am totally alone. You are totally alone in that story. You go to the confessional, and you might as well be talking to a brick wall, because still you don't think that you are any better than the voice that you're judging yourself with. You've internalized this shame this thing that keeps you in the bushes, hiding, terrified, terrified to be seen. <laughs> I know because I do it. I know because, unfortunately, I still see myself in that way. It's so lonely, and really sometimes we should be the one asking the question, where are you? Where are you, God? Because we can be in his presence and still here with this messed up lens that we bring into prayer. And we need that lens, we need that voice gone before we can really hear him. There was this one time, and this will sound familiar to you guys that heard me talk before. I got, I was in one of those just really screwy, louie sin zones where you're just so focused on the habit and the externalization and the physical manifestation of your sin, whatever it is that you just go in and you stumble through a five-minute, ten-minute confession and you're just all over the place. And the worst fear is that a priest would look at you and go, what are you doing? Well, that's happened to me, and it was not a great fun, but he looked at me and he said, do you even know what sin is anymore? <laughs> Convicting. And I looked at him through tears in my eyes. I don't know. I don't know. 
Sometimes we need someone else to break us out of that rut, to break us out of that cycle of sin, of trying so hard to get out of it where it's all about us. We need someone to show us again who we are and who God is. So for me, that was a short little priest who was my personal Yoda for a couple of years, and he really allowed me to question and at times berate who I thought God was. And he gave me the grace to question those things. And one of the things he he really helped me to understand was, okay, if you don't know what sin is anymore, well then let's look at the end of the story. Let's look at what is clear to you. Let's remember who God is, what his purpose is for your life. A lot of us, myself included, I'm 28, I'm not that far removed from where a lot of you are. Um, People want to, and I see some, maybe some parents here, so if your parents are here and I'm about to trigger you, I'm so sorry, but the question, what are you going to do with your life? What's your plan? It can feel really frustrating, um, (laughs) immensely frustrating, and you get into that small story again, it just looks different. You're totally focused on yourself. You've forgotten who God is in that place. You're alone there trying to figure it out, getting all these internships, doing all these things, buying the next thing to make you feel good about yourself, blah, 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 blah. It can go on and on and on. And you're trying to put your ducks in a row, trying to impress people, trying to look like you got it together. When you know, (laughs) you know. You know the way that you talk to yourself. I know the way I talk to myself. Oh, gosh, who would ever hire me? I can't even do this. I can't even pay this bill on time. How the heck am I going to make it through the rest of my life? I know that lonely, lonely place. And then people will tell you, well-intentioned, and I've said this so many times, God has a plan for your life. Just ask him. And so we walk around. That cloud, it looks like a dog. Maybe I should be a vet. And for some people it works like that, but like, I've tried divining a lot of different signs and a lot of different occurrences, and it has not worked out super well for me. Um, And there have been times, y'all, where God has made it abundantly clear I needed to do something, and it just blows up in my face. And then I'm sitting there like, really? This again? Like, I knew it was so clear, but now I'm like, seriously? And then we have to remember that he did that to the disciples. They just fed 5,000 people. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, yeah, I'll I'll catch you guys on the other side of the lake. And they're like, what? So they get in their boat. These guys have lived on the water their whole life. and Just paddling away. And then a storm comes out of nowhere. And they're like, yeah, we are about to die. What the heck? Like, he just, he said he was going to meet, he's going to die. Like, how the heck? And then Jesus, I'm on water right now, y'all. Jesus steps out onto the water and he's like, Hey, he sent them into a storm. And so often, he allows a thorn in our side, as Paul talks about it. Why? Is this in his plan? Is this his plan for me? Are you kidding me? Like, when we're looking for clouds in the skies and signs of where to go, that is not what we are expecting. But often, he lets that happen. Why? John 17, 24 through 26. Father, mind you, this is the day before he's about to die for you, 
for me. Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am, they also may be with me, that they may see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. So we start off not knowing. I start off not knowing what sin is. And my personal Yoda, Father Cliff, brings me to this. The purpose of your life, Louie. The purpose that God set out on before time began, before time was even a concept. The love with which you loved me, Father, may it be in them and I in them. If we were to sum it up in a word, that would be union. God's purpose for your life is so much bigger than what you're going to do and how you're going to spend your days because the principle and the point of all of this is union with you. It's union. So we keep that word in mind, and then we ask the question again, like Father Cliff did for me, do you even know what sin is anymore? Well, ultimately, if the point of this life is union, intimacy, love, then sin looks like distance, looks like distance from God. So sin, the actual term, for anyone that's a cradle Catholic, went to Catholic school, I mean, we've probably all heard that sin is a term from archery. It means missing the mark, yada, yada, yada. So there's all sorts of ways in which, like, we sin and we miss the mark. But it can also be a problem of aim. And that's really what I'm trying to get at tonight is that the internal voice can be off. You can be hearing this judgment about yourself that is so not how God sees you. So not how John 17 looks. That he desires to be in you. That he desires to be with you in union. So that internal, I want you to think when you, as I'm speaking tonight, I'm trying to get at this problem of you're not even aimed at the right target. Like there are times when you're going to miss, when you're going to do things wrong. But I'm trying to get after this disposition and this aim of our heart that is so screwed up and we're totally alone in it totally alone. And so I want to ask my two volunteers who unwittingly, I want y'all to come up here. Okay, so which one of you wants to be God? (laughs) You'll be God. Okay, great. Are you okay if I don't put my mask on? Okay, great. I hate these masks. Okay, so you're going to be God. All right, and your name is Olivia, Olivia, and you are? Can we get a round of applause for Olivia and Sophia? All right, so Olivia, you're Olivia. Sophia, you're God. Olivia, come with me. All right, so you're here, pretty close, union, maybe like, you know, touch shoulders. All right, they're Siamese twins, union, right here. All right, this is you and God. This is me and God. This is all of us. All right, now you, sin. How does this look? Okay, distance. Swear I didn't know them before this. Perfect. All right. So, you're over there. Does everybody think like, okay, that's pretty accurate? 
Any, any thoughts? Anybody? Honesty. Honesty. Where's the orange? I need a courtesy laugh. <laughs> All right, turn that way for me. So often, sin can look like this. God doesn't move. We move. We go over there. All right. Now, y'all can sit down if you want. You can stay up here. I'm going to take a little interlude and explain some things. You just want to sit right there. We think we move away. Actually, come back up. Come back up. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, thank you. Look at that. Honesty, y'all. Honesty in the back. They told me. All right, so Olivia's here. Sophia's here. God is here. We're here. All right, I want you to go to confession and show me what that looks like. Wrong. Okay, now you can sit down. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to embarrass you like that. But honestly, that's what we do when we get stuck in this cycle, in this story. We turn our back, walk away, come over here, and then go, Oh, time for me to get my stuff together. Restriction on my phone, confession, do this thing, that thing. And all right, God, it's Mass, it's Sunday. And Monday night. Right here, Reggie's. Back when that was a thing, right? I'm dating myself. That's so wrong. It's so wrong. And if we think, if we really think that that is how we root sin out of our lives, we are making a mockery of Christ. Truly. And that's harsh, and that sounds terse, but really, really, if it's that simple, does God have to die on a cross? If it's that simple, that we can close this gap, that we can make a mistake, and then I can just, I'm going to get my life together, I'm going to be better, and then Monday do it all over again. Like, if we really think that that's how we beat sin, how freaking silly is all of this? We don't believe that. None of us do. Heck, there might be people in here who spent years away from the confessional. If that's your view of it, good. Good. It's not doing anything. Okay, that's wrong. Father Andrew would slap me on the wrist for that. I get it. I'm hyperbolizing right now. But like, okay, let's start there. Let's start there. Honesty, y'all. Be honest about where you're at in your relationship with confession. Be honest about where you're at with God. That's what you good? Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Dude, I thought you were just, like, taking an altar call already, like, Lord, I'm good. Okay, all right. Every speaker's dream, right? So, Luke 15. It's a story I've talked about before. We've all heard it before. And we often know it as the prodigal son. Uh, it's really not about the son. It's really about, if you look up the word prodigal, it means reckless. The most reckless person in this story is not the younger brother. It is the father, by far. Then Jesus said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. Father, um, I know you're not dead yet, but like, if you were to die tomorrow, could you give me what you were going to give me? Oh, yeah, sure, son. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. Like, no, that's not how that conversation goes down. But he does it. So the father divided the property between them. 
After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of, di of dispensation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine, and he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Can y'all come back up for me? So you're still in your sin. You're over there. A little bit further. Yeah, perfect. You had a rough week. Okay. So, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So in the old model, Olivia, you can turn around, model this confession. Father, I've sinned against you. Right? That's not what happens. If you can go back. So the younger brother got up and went back to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him. Y'all are just great actors. This is amazing. Amazing. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer to be deserve, deserve to be called your son. <laughs> Before he finishes, his father orders his servants, quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You guys can sit back down. Thank you. You want to know what confession looks like? It looks like that. I'm not pointing up at the cross. I'm looking at that, that tabernacle. Every day, every moment of every day, God waits for you and me. He waits that he might be enough for us. You know, there's a phrase in Scripture that not many people talk about. When do you think the first time we hear, it was not good? A little Bible trivia for you. It's in John, I'm sorry, it's in chapter 3 of Genesis. It's definitely not. We don't make it that long, y'all. God creates... creates Adam, and he looks at him, and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. Do you catch that? How many of us view ourselves in our neediness and in our sin? I'm an idiot. I'm so bad. Who could ever? Blah, 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 blah. It's so old. It's so old. When God looks at us and he sees beyond the physical manifestation of our sin and he sees us viewing ourselves in our neediness as broken, utterly devastated, corrupt to the bone, nothing good about me, wrong, so wrong, made in the image and likeness of the God of the universe, that is who you are. Will you sin? Will you make mistakes? Undoubtedly. You cannot beat sin. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin are death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. It's that. He's waiting. He thirsts to be enough. Since the beginning, he's met us in our need. He has not forsaken or scorned our need. He has met us in our need. When he asks you the question, where are you? Do you think he doesn't know where you are? You've confessed it a thousand times. (laughs) David talks about it in Psalm 51. The Lord knows where I make my bed. He knows when I make my bed in Sheol. This is a man who murdered someone so that he could sleep with their wife and get away with it. That's a man after God's own heart. Why? Not because he sinned, but because he knew who he was and he repented. It took nine months, but he repented. Will you repent? Because the new model is just what they showed us. Step, turn, and what is our part? Go to the confessional. Give your confession. But y'all, don't miss that you are reconciled and restored because of him. Because he made a way to be united with you again. That was all of it. It was always the plan that we would be united with him. And so in the confessional, what's actually really neat and why a big part of like why I came back to the Catholic Church was learning the neuroscience of what happens when you actually connect with another human being. There are studies right now that show when two people have that moment of like, you know, where you're jiving or you like feel super in tune with somebody and you leave the conversation and you're like, yeah, that was awesome. That's my person. Well, what's actually happening is the same parts in your brain are, like, lighting up. Now, I don't, did you, like, tell that person's brain to do that? Like, how does that work? We are so freaking weird, y'all. I don't understand it, but, like, literally when you put out an energy, (laughs) uh, a thought, and someone resonates with that, both of your minds change. And for people that are struggling with addiction, they did this similar experiment, and what they are learning is that not only the confessor, but also the person hearing it, their brain is changing too. God in his wisdom, the church in its wisdom, asks us to confess to another person because it's a gift. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know when you're stuck in your story, it can be really lonely. It can be really lonely. For the younger brother, it took a famine. It took feeling like he was going to die for him to wake up to his sin and get honest about it. For me, it took an angry little priest who convicted the heck out of me, maybe the hell. (laughs) Ha ha, jokes. So what is it now? What is this new model? Well, you saw it. You turn, you step. You repent, you do your part but God is the one reconciling you. God is the one coming back to you. In John, I'm sorry, in Luke 15, it says, the father had been waiting. He was a long way off. The truth is, is that he's been waiting. We walk by him all the time, missing how he views us, missing that he wants to give us our inheritance, even if we're gonna screw it up. He wants us home. Tonight, go. Do your part. Repent. Confess. But at the end of the day, it's all about being found. 
It's about the Father putting his arms around you so that you're reconciled. Don't do this thing alone. Get out of that miserable story. He longs to restore you. He wants to meet you where you are. Um, I'm not going to pray this right now. The band is going to play a song that has touched my heart immensely. Um, and I just really encourage you to listen to those lyrics. And then with that, um, one of the things Father Cliff, my little Yoda priest, told me was Psalm 51. And read it and read it and read it until you weep. <laughs> read it until you understand what Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees. Go and learn the meaning. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The heart of God is mercy. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, you are mercy. You wait for us. And while we are a long way off, you come running. You know where we are. You humble yourself. You make yourself look small like you don't know so that we will not be scared. And when we step out of the bushes, you take our fig leaves and you give us a signet ring. You give us a coat. You give us sandals. You give us an inheritance. You are reckless. You knew our sin when you chose us. And yet you chose us. You are good. And we trust that your judgment of us, that we are made in the image and likeness of you, we trust that more than the feelings inside of us, more than the accusations we hear running through our head from the world around us. Tonight, Lord, we risk trusting you. We take a step back, trusting that you will put your arms around us. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.